0: The other day, Sue and I uh, took a trip around the solar system. Not in a rocket ship, of course. We took our car. It's now due for a service. Uh, but we went on that, uh, the, the virtual solar system road trip that's in this region. Uh, if you've never been on it before, this is how it works. The sun is represented by the dome at the observatory up at Siding Springs in the Warren Bungles. And then based on that scale of the dome being the sun, uh, there are scale models of all the different planets in the solar system placed at just the right relative distances away from Siding Springs. So here in Dubbo, uh, you can go down to the visitor centre and there's a model of Pluto. It's about the size of a billiard ball. And then you drive up past Gilgandra where you pass Neptune and then you pass Saturn just before Cunabarabran and Jupiter's the other side of Cunabarabran and eventually you reach the sun at Siding Springs. It's a real good drive. And it actually does give you a feel for how big space is. I mean, when you get to the Earth, the model of the Earth is about the size of not much more than a basketball. And yet even when you have reduced the solar system down to the size of the entire Earth being the size of a basketball and Pluto being the size of a billiard ball, you still have to drive 200 kilometres to get from one to the other. Space is enormous. And that's just our puny little solar system. I actually calculated that if you included the next nearest star after the sun in this scale model, you would have to place the next, the, the closest star after the sun. You would still have to place it about a million kilometres away. That's three times the distance to the real moon. Space is enormous. So imagine how big God is. To have created all of that to put every single one of those planets in their place simply by speaking. God is incomprehensibly big. And today's passage wants to excite you with the thought that that God knows you, loves you, and is at work in you. And that he is especially at work in you When we love each other. Because just like last week, this week's passage, all about love. In the space of 11 verses, the word love gets mentioned 16 times. However, whereas last Sunday was all about God's love and his love of us, this week's passage focuses more on our love of each other. And in particular, how it is that God's love of us is connected with our love of each other. That's how the passage started. Verse 11 Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, in a sense, this is giving us a deja vu, isn't it? Uh, John has already said a lot of things about loving one another in the letter up until now. That's because reading one John is a bit like climbing a spiral staircase. You now, if you climb a spiral staircase, maybe in a lighthouse or something like that, if you go up them and you look out the windows on the way, there's a sense in which on the way up you're really looking out at the same view all the time. It's just that you're looking out at that view from a slightly different vantage point, a slightly different perspective as you go up each flight of stairs. That's one John. John returns again and again and again to the same topics, but each time he does, it's from a fresh perspective. It's from a fresh vantage point. And so this morning, we are again looking out the window of loving one another, but the new level that John has added for us is what we discovered last week. God is love, and he has loved us amazingly. And that adds a new vantage point as to why we ought to be loving one another. As verse 11 says, Since God so loved us, that's a reference back to last week. How God is love. He showed his love by sending Jesus into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. That was all last week. It's staggering how much God has loved us. And now John is saying, okay, since God has loved us this way, we also ought to love one another. Why should we? Why ought we to love each other just because God has loved us? I mean just because Sue loves me doesn't mean I'm going to love any of you. What's the connection between God and us? How that has it linked? This is what he goes on to explain in the next verse, verse twelve. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now it's the last two phrases that are the key ones in John's logic here. The ideas of God living in us and God's love being made complete in us. Because John is saying that those two things are what's going on inside us when we each love one another, but more to the point, these are the things that link God's love of us with our love of each other. Why should you be bothered loving the others in church at 11? Well it's because God has loved you and therefore God lives in you and his love is being made complete in you let's take each of those in turn because that's what john now does he takes each of those two links and expands on them a bit firstly he expands on god living in us and particularly that we know he lives in us because he's given us his spirit verse 13 we know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us off his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them. And he in God. Now if you've been around for the last few weeks, you'll know that John has also already mentioned this sort of stuff as well. This is another window that we've looked at a couple of times. It's the idea that it's only because of God's spirit within us that we can genuinely testify that Jesus is God's son and saviour of the world. That sort of conviction about Jesus only comes from God giving us his spirit to free us from the shackles of sin in the way that we think. And so as I mentioned a couple of weeks back, please do not ever be troubled by people who want to tell you that you do not have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues, or that you do not have the Holy Spirit unless you've experienced some sort of healing in your life, or you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you have a successful business going because if you didn't, if you did have the Holy Spirit you'd be more successful than you are. That's not in the Bible. The sign that you have God's spirit is, verse 15, whether or not you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. If that's you, if that's you this morning, if you are honestly convicted by the news that the Father sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world, John is telling you this morning you have God's spirit. You must have. Otherwise, you wouldn't believe this about Jesus. And John is again reminding us of this. We're again looking out this window so as to make the point that when God has loved you and you've become one of his children and you have his spirit, which you clearly do because you believe that Jesus is the Christ, when that's happened, of course you love others. You have the spirit of the God who is love within you. And so we know, verse 16, and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. I don't know about your family, but in our family, as the kids were growing up, if visitors ever came to stay with us, and we were giving them a bit of a tour around the house, you never really had to tell them which of the bedrooms belonged to which of the children. The pristine, neat, girly bedroom, that was Felicity. The messy stuff everywhere but yet still somehow feminine bedroom was Olivia's. The messy stuff everywhere with superhero posters on the wall, that was Stuart's. You actually didn't have to be told that. You immediately knew because the room itself was an expression of the person living in it. John is saying that's us and God and love. Since God has so loved us through Jesus that we are now his children and he lives in us, of course we love each other. That's just God's personality coming out in us. When the God who is love lives in you, (laughs) you love others. It's a powerful thought. We'll come back to it. We need to press on because, remember, there's a second link between God loving us and us loving each other. And it's not only that God lives in us, as as massive as that is, there's also the link that we love each other because God's love is being made complete in us. Remember that one? Well, John returns to that thought in verse 17. Because it is a bit of a strange one, God's love being made complete. How, How does that work? Isn't God's love complete already? How can it be made complete? If you've got an ESV, it'll have that God's love is perfected in us. I mean, there again, what does that mean? Isn't God's love perfect already? How can it be perfected? John is using those words to describe the end goal of God's love. That God's love is completed in the sense that it completes the end result that God is wanting to achieve in us. It's as if an athlete was to say that their love of swimming is now complete now that they've reached the Olympic Games. It's the idea that things have reached their pinnacle. It's the idea that God's love has reached the end result, the pinnacle of what he has wanted to achieve in us. And what is it that he's wanted to achieve in us? Well, it's that we love each other and that we'd be therefore confident that we are his children. Verse 17. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this lot, in this world we are like him. Now, you see what that's saying? When we love each other, okay, when we are in this world like God by, by loving each other, that shows God lives in us, which in turn gives us confidence on the day of judgment, because it shows that we're his children, and that's what completes God's love. God's love is not content in simply saving you. God's love wants to save you, but also wants you to know that you are saved. God wants you to be assured that you are saved. That's the end purpose of God's love. That's what completes it, and that's what happens when we love each other. Because love tells us we are one of God's children. And that's reassuring. Remember the iceberg image a couple of weeks ago? 90% of an iceberg below the surface. That's like us as Christians uh, That what we do above the surface, like being obedient and loving each other, that's just the tip of things. That's below the 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 below the surface, and the massive truth that's happening within us is that we are God's children with His Spirit. That's where the reassurance comes from. God and us are family. We got nothing to fear on the day of judgment. John's reminding us of that sort of image so as to make the point that loving each other gives us confidence with God on the day of judgment not because we've earned that confidence but because it's indicating who we are below the surface within us where his children. And that's why we don't have to have any fear about meeting God. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect fear drives out sorry perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Loving one another completes God's love because it gives us assurance. Loving one another completes God's love because it means we don't have to fear facing God on the day of judgment. We're family. Which is why John finishes the way he does. We love because he first loved us. Verse 20. If anyone says I love God yet hates his brother, it's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen can't love God whom he has not seen. He's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother. The passage rounds out by saying what should be now obvious. Anyone who doesn't love others isn't one of God's children. But when we do love one another, it shows we are. When we do love one another, it shows that God is in us. And when we do love one another, it shows that God's love is being made complete in us because it's giving us the assurance of who it is, who we are, that we're His children. We've got nothing to fear on the day of judgment. I hope that's an encouragement for you this morning. I know that the passage has got some twists and turns a little bit to it. But I hope you can get your head around it enough to see the encouragement here. Because remember my solar system road trip. The God who put it all there simply by speaking. The God who sustains it all every second of every day. He lives in you. And he wants you to know this morning that when we love each other, it shows That he lives in you. And that should put your heart at rest in his presence. We ought to feel both joy and responsibility out of that, I think. The responsibility comes in making sure that God's love actually does show in us. In fact, it's interesting that back there in verse 12, I didn't mention it on the way through, but verse 12 opens with a really intriguing phrase. No one has ever seen God. You know, bother putting that in it doesn't? It's almost an exact repetition of a phrase that John puts in his gospel where John says that no one has ever seen God, but then he goes on to talk about how the arrival of Jesus has made God known. But here in one John, I think he's repeating that phrase so as to imply the incredible truth that when we love each other, it also makes God known because Jesus is no longer physically in this world. And therefore if people do want to see if people want to see God, I think John's implying that they ought to be able to meet him, they ought to be able to encounter God in the way we love one another. That's a big deal that in a confused, cynical world that is crying out for love but looking for it in all the wrong places, people should be able to come here, look at us and see the way we love one another and see the God of love in us. And for us to be content with anything less than that is a denial of who we are in Christ. The responsibility belongs to us to be who we are, to live out being God's children and to love one another because that is the closest many people will ever get to seeing God. But it's not just a responsibility, it's a joy as well, isn't it? When we love each other... God is in us, completing his love in us. Or to put it another way, when we love each other, we are at our most God-like. And that when we get it right, and look, I know that sometimes we don't get it right and people fall through the crack, but when we get it right, when... When we're patient with someone who annoys us. When we're kind to an awkward person who needs help. When we're not envious of someone else getting more attention than us. When we don't boast about our gifts. When we see a need and we feel the need without looking around for someone else to pass it on to. When we keep no record of wrongs. When we protect the vulnerable among us. When you walk away from a church lunch having had a conversation with, where someone has really listened to you and treated you as if you're the only person in the room. When an unexpected person says an, and shows you an unexpected kindness... When your Christian life is dry and hard and you're tired and someone encourages you at just the right time in just the right way. That's to have God himself love you through Church at 11. That's to have God in us, complete his love in us as we love one another. Or to put it another way, what would make Church of the Eleven be most like being with God? Here this morning, what's it going to take for you to walk out of here to your car thinking, man, that was great. Heaven will be like that. Is it when we've sung a really great new song and the musicians are really powering and the singing's been awesome... Is it when someone's preached a really good sermon and you've almost been left brought to tears? Is it when someone's preached a, uh, uh, prayed a really eloquent prayer? Is it when you're feeling all goosebumply and positive and When are we closest to heaven? When are we close... When are we closest to encountering God? It's when we love one another. Because when we love one another, massive things are happening here. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. I'll pray. Father, thank you for your staggering love of us through Christ. And thank you for living in us through your spirit. Father, we pray that we would excel at being the children you have called us to be as we love one another. As you love us through one another. And Father, thank you for the ease with which that puts our heart, knowing that we're your children, this is how we live. Amen.